All right. Welcome back. You're on the Dan Time Podcast. I'm your host, Dan McArdle. If this is your first time checking out the show, I'm so happy you're here. You're in the right place. I don't always reintroduce the premise of this show, the meaning of Dan Time, so let me take a moment to bring it back front and center for those of you just joining us. Every week, I bring you a new guest, somebody who is making a difference, making an impact, changing the world around them for the better, and somebody who I think that you ought to hear about. The one thing that most of them have in common is that they're all, like me, named Dan. Now, very few of us were actually named Dan at birth, although I met one kid who was absolutely named after one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Not everybody's a Dan. As you may have noticed, I've had a Chris, a Vic, and of course, Jim Powell. On a show like this, we've got to mix it up in order to avoid what I like to call Dan fatigue. We've had a Danny, we will have your traditional Daniel at some point, and coming soon, we will have at least one Danielle. This is not a boys club. The fact of the matter is, I've just not been able to confirm a female guest to date, but I'm working on it. If your name is Danielle and you've been listening and you're thinking, geez, Dan, why didn't you say something? I've been been waiting for the invitation. Well... (laughs) I've said it now, so reach out to dantimepod at gmail.com if you'd like to come on the show, regardless of your first name. So that's the general theme. want to leave you thinking, laughing, and hopefully inspired. Today, my very special guest is Dan Harrison. Dan is a Nashville-based singer-songwriter who fell in love with the South and country music while attending college at Wake Forest in North Carolina. Dan's songs touch on themes like new experiences, falling in love, going for something you've been thinking about for a while, pressing play, giving it a shot, jumping in, being confident in yourself. And he connects places, textures, sights, and smells of the South, which are very unique, to memories. Dan's vocals really have an effortless quality and charm. His choruses carry you to another level. I could do an entire segment just on the single Nowhere Bar. I think this should have been a number one hit back when it came out in 2019. When you hear Dan sing Carolina at about the two and a half minute mark, I think you'll know what I mean. His songs are just optimistic. A lot of good stuff on the radio right now, but not quite what Dan's offering. And what I mean by that is you'll hear some downer songs when you're driving around that don't really have a takeaway at the end. So you're thinking, all right, I I don't really feel a lot better than I did when that song started. Dan's Singles, on the other hand, they've usually got a good spin to every situation he describes. Like in running out of radio, we might run out of cash, out of gas, out of time, but we'll never be running out of radio. Dan was awarded the 2023 ASCAP Harold Adamson Lyric Award for country music. His song Friendly Fire won the 2021 ASCAP Jay Gorney Award and 2022 Bluebird Cafe Golden Pick Award. Dan has released music as both a solo artist and as part of the duo Salem Town. His songs have been featured on Spotify's New Boots and Wild Country, Next from Nashville, Fresh Finds, and Fresh Finds Country. He's also got songwriting credits on the viral TikTok song All Hat No Cowboy by Bells, which has hit 4 million views. All right, the new single is We Went South. You can download it on any music platform. It appeared on Spotify's New Music Friday playlist when it was released September 15th. Now, whatever genre that you're really into, 
when you hear this song, I really think that you're going to feel like you got an advanced copy of something that the rest of the world just doesn't know about yet. Follow Dan on social media, on Instagram, X, Facebook, and you can find the video to this song and any other singles. All right, let's hear some of the new song, We Went South, and then get to my conversation with Dan. Folks, it is Dan Harrison time. It'll be four years this summer You want boxes all over the hall Every now and again I wonder Where we'd be if we stayed that far We were looking for something better Didn't want to waste any more time Never thought that we'd find our forever if we stuck around So that's why we went south on the interstate headed straight for that small town I Didn't know where we'd lead but I guess we know now Cause we found a picket fence in a patch of ground To settle down, planted roots down in that dirt Thank God how things turned out when we went south Yeah, we went south Didn't have us a whole lot of money all we knew was we were chasing a dream Where the magnolia trees and honey so sweet We found everything we'd ever need When we went south All right, folks. Well, I am just thrilled today to bring to you Nashville-based singer-songwriter Dan Harrison. Dan, thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. I appreciate it. Uh, everybody, I want you to know something. Dan Harrison is another example, just like last week, of somebody that I really want to have on the show. He's got a story that's a little bit outside the box. He's a country music artist, but he's not your typical born and raised in the South singer-songwriter. Dan, I'll stop there and just kind of let you introduce yourself to the listeners, where you came from, how you got interested in music, and where you are today. Yeah, no, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Again, you have me on the show. It's very cool. I'm, I was telling this to someone yesterday, actually, like, I feel like I don't know that many Dans. I grew up like, I think I was the only Dan that I knew. There was another kid I uh, I, I grew up with named Dan, but he, he went by a different name. So I love the concept of this podcast. I just wanted to say, you know, there's there's Dans uh, doing great things out there. But um, yeah, uh, no. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm living in Nashville now. I've been here a little over five years, originally from Philadelphia by way of Los Angeles. I was born in LA and I moved to Philly when I was about five. I still have a lot of family on, on the West Coast, though, and I, and I love going over there. But grew up in Philly and uh, went to college down in North Carolina, Wake Forest, go Deeks. You know, made my way over here after that, after a couple of years back home and then, and then came down here to Nashville. So that's the uh, quick overview of it. Now, Dan, did your mom or your dad play an instrument in the house or uh, your brothers or sisters? Yeah, I have two younger brothers, so not formally. I had a piano in the house and my parents forced piano lessons on me when I was a kid and I really, really wish I stuck with them, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, I guess, different when you come to it yourself versus it's forced on you. But I, I definitely understand the value in that now, but no, my parents were always musical. My dad like was self-taught and, you know, he had some demo tapes, I think from back when he was a kid in the seventies and eighties that he recorded on cassette probably. 
and he had the dream of that, but I don't think it's ever something he seriously pursued. And my mom liked to sing, but you know, there was no family band situation, even though technically all of us are musical and both of my brothers separately um, are very talented. My middle brother's a very talented drummer and, and DJ and kind of electronic music producer. My youngest brother is also a great guitar player and songwriter. He's kind of in a different space. He's like indie rock and jam stuff, but we all, we all have musical things and we joked about the family band thing, but wasn't, wasn't ever in the cards for us. But yeah, so definitely music was always a big part of my life from as long as I can remember, you know, even just to, certainly appreciating it, you know, and the stuff that my dad would listen to in, in the car growing up. I remember like it was yesterday. Now, did you have somebody maybe in high school or around that time period who was encouraging you, maybe an older person saying, hey, you got something there. You need to follow up on that. Yeah, I mean, my parents were always very supportive and encouraging once I like came to it on my own. And I had friends in late middle school, early high school getting into guitar. And I was just like, well, that's pretty cool. And they were the ones showing me like had Jimi Hendrix, ACDC, Van Halen, Queen and, and stuff like that. And they were playing. A, I'd never seen an electric guitar. My dad had an acoustic guitar. And I thought it was cool, but it was like a little it felt like very old school. And then my buddy got one of those Squire Strat packs, those like really, you know, cheap, like kind of starter kits and. I was over one day and I was like, that was, that looks awesome. I want to do whatever that is. And he was like, thanks. Smoke on the water or something simple now. Like, yeah, that's kind of, so I kind of got encouragement from there. And I had some great music teachers in the school, at the school that I went to that I probably annoyed the crap. In fact, I know I did. <laughs> Just with noodling and stuff like that. I did jazz band and, and, you know, took music theory and music history stuff and just very, wasn't really specific to guitar, but it was just generally encouraging in music. And then I had obviously guitar teachers that I, when, once I like told my parents, I was like serious about it and I'm still connected to some of them and they're, and they're great and really were really helpful. Now, was there a time where, so you, you enroll at Wake Forest in North Carolina, did it come down to like two or three schools and you might've stayed up North or gone West or done something and it, the story might, may have been different? You know, I ask, I, I think about that sometimes. It's it's definitely possible. Wake, Wake was an early decision school for me, so that's where I went, and that you know that's where I applied first, and that was it. But I looked at a number of other schools. I, I thought about Berkeley, um, but I didn't. I ran track pretty seriously in high school and wanted to in college, and they did not have a sports team, uh, and sports teams I think of any kind. So I didn't want to go north and be in a city. So I, I Berkeley was kind of off the table there, and I hadn't heard about Belmont or MTSU, which I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with those schools, but two fantastic schools in the Nashville area that are hugely, hugely influential in, uh, in the music industry here and, and beyond in terms of kind of the programs that they have and the, the, the people that have come out of there, you know, both on the business and creative side for the industry, just at Hardy for one of them, you know, from MTSU, Brad Paisley went to Belmont. I mean, the list is just ridiculous from both of those schools. They pretty much run this town, which I always thought put me at a disadvantage, but Thankfully, it doesn't. And I feel like most of my friends anyway that I made here went to those schools. So I kind of feel like I went there anyway without having gone there. But no, I, I mean, it's possible I could have gone somewhere else. I, I thought about the West Coast too, warmer weather, but I just fell in love with Wake as an overall school. I, I always wanted to do music, but I, I still wasn't at that stage that I was like, oh, no, this is exactly what I'm doing. I thought like I would just go to school and figure it out and then maybe do music after. And I just really wanted to have the best college experience and, and learn and obviously athletically and academically. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy with my pick. I, I, I don't know. I might have still ended up here, but I don't know when I would have ended up here or how exactly. It definitely wouldn't have happened the same way. And I might have not been exposed to country music the way I was and when I was and as as it affected me. So who knows?
Yeah. Well, that's a great time. Everybody, everyone can usually remember, and it's usually the college years, the college age years, where you have that crossroads, or you meet certain people, or you have a girlfriend at the time that influences you in one way or another. But Dan, so I understand that at Wake Forest, around that time period, you figure out that you like some country songs, some country music. Maybe it's a relationship that you're in and you're just hearing a lot of it. Take me back to some of those days. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, you nailed it on the head. Like it was it was just being down there at that time. I went to school. I graduated from Wake in 2015. And, uh, you know, just around that time is Eric Church was kind of really big. FGL was coming up those couple years beforehand. Sam Hunt, Jake Owen, Zach Brown. A lot of those guys were like, the big thing at the time bro country was starting and you know whatever you like or don't or dislike about it there were things about it that caught my ear and um it was just what was a lot of my friends were playing like you know driving around in their trucks because going you know around school then and i also was dating a girl at the time that i met down there who was did the student booking for you know concerts on campus i'll never forget josh thompson who is a huge songwriter here now he wrote any old bar stool for jason aldean a lot of stuff for thomas rett um he had he was an artist at that point and he has one project out, but it's like one of my favorite records. And it was one of the first records I listened to called Way Out Here. He came to campus uh, on his fall tour my freshman year. And I remember seeing him and I was, you know, just floored. And my girlfriend at the time, you know, I'd done some open mics on campus. And, you know, after we met, she's like, you really, you really should do country music. And I, it just never occurred to me. But, you know, growing up doing rock and, and singer songwriter stuff, like I love John Mayer, Springsteen, the Eagles, Queen. There's a lot of like, Rock, pop, to a certain extent, blues, jazz, well, it all goes back to the blues, actually. So rock, country, jazz, all that stuff, they're all siblings going back to the blues. So there's a lot of overlap. And when you think of like the Heartland rock guys like Mellencamp or Springsteen and then the Eagles, there's a lot of country crossover and influence there. So it's a natural fit once you find artists within that genre that you like. And so that's kind of what it was for me. I, I just found artists that I resonated with that I hadn't been exposed to growing up because where I grew up, just people didn't listen to country music as much. And even though I, I, I now know there's a massive radio station in the Philadelphia area, 92.5 XTU, that serves that whole region. It's one of the biggest country stations in, in the country. So yeah, it was it was definitely just like being in a totally new, new place like Wake Forest in, in North Carolina just culture, I wouldn't say culture shock, but it was just very much a, a time of change and, and experiencing new things. And it was awesome. And it was really hugely formative, I think, for me to where I am now in a lot of ways. Yeah, it seems like you're really starting to find yourself. And I can relate to seeing a band perform live that is a little bit outside of my uh, box, so to speak. And you maybe get dragged to a bar or something. You're like, oh, I don't really care about this band or this opening act. And then you hear them and you're like, maybe I was uh, missing something here. And I think there might be a misnomer with some people with modern country music that everybody on the stage is of a similar background. And you could probably speak to this. It's, it really couldn't be further from the truth. Like if you look at a drummer, a bass player, the singer, the main songwriter on stage, all four of those people might primarily listen to a different type of music, but they all coalesce to create that sound. Yeah, no, I think the reality is my generation, which is give or take a few years, kind of the generation that's making waves and, and starting to like be at the forefront of the industry. We grew up with 
country as well as rock and hip hop and other influences. You know, John Mayer, for example, is I think a huge, just anybody that has picked up a guitar since he existed. <laughs> kind of like with Taylor for girls too. And, um, but I, I like a lot of Taylor Swift's old original country stuff as well. And I'm sure it was some amazing writers here. But I think that it's only natural that, because really genre is just something that was created for marketing purposes and, and for radio. And like I said, all these genres are brothers and or siblings, sisters, whatever you want to call it. So it's really take Hardy, for example, like he he's like literally like doing metal now. And that's what his whole record, his recent record was, is about this two sides of him, the Mockingbird and the Crow. The, the Crow is like the darker side, the metal side that, you know, he was as the kid, his kid growing up. And that was very influential to him. But then the Mockingbird is like the country thing. That's the other side of him. And I really identify with that, you know, in terms of country is the foundation for what I do. And it, it's my passion and I love it. And it's the centering focus for me. But there's so many other great things to blend in. And I think that most country musicians you'll find nowadays have more diverse tastes and interests than you would expect because there's just no boundaries, no, uh, no genres. I think streaming's done a lot with that too, in terms of, you know, you can have a hip hop song and a country song on the same playlist and then a jazz song and, a rock, and it's all, it's all good. Duke Ellington has a famous quote that I believe is attributed to him that says there's only two types of music, good and bad. And uh, I think that's really what it comes down to. But but in, by that same token, a lot of big artists aren't necessarily from the South. I mean, look at Keith Urban. He's from, well, he is from the South. He's from way, way South, <laughs> Australia. And uh, But then there's plenty of, you know, Shania Twain's Canadian. I met more Canadians in my life than Nashville than probably, ever, I don't know if I even knew a single Canadian before I moved here. And there's so many down here that come down to write their songs, record their songs, and because there's a whole market up there. And um, the UK and, and I know the Nordic countries are very much uh, growing in terms of their appetite for the country market. And Ed Sheeran, you know, has done some collaborations with Luke Combs and he loves country music. He's talked about coming to record a record here. He has cuts with Tim McGraw and Faith Hill himself as, as a songwriter. So there's a there's a song by Brantley Gilbert, which uh, is was one might have been his first hit. And I I love that song. And I think it's so true. It's country must be countrywide. And I, I would even amend it to say country must be worldwide because I think once people give it a chance, I think country is what rock used to be 40 years ago. You know, Tom Petty, the Eagles, Jackson Brown, all that stuff. Like, but then you also had stuff like the Beach Boys and all the way to like harder stuff, maybe like ACDC and up, even up to metal and Metallica. Country is this like foundation that a lot of other genres are playing around in. And you can add different like subgenres of country. Like Sam Hunt is country as is George Strait, but they are not the same kinds of country but they can both exist and that both have fans that call themselves country music fans, fans that can like both, or maybe just like one of them. And I just think there's this great ability to, you know, honor its roots and, and also widen its appeal, that country, the space that it's in right now. So it's kind of a long winded answer to your, to your question, but in agreeing with or your statement rather ag agreeing with you. Well, just like you said, that's a great quote and a good song is just a good song. And we live in a, a really diversified culture, much more so than the country music scene in the 1990s. Yes. Which seems like not that long ago, kind of was, but... Doesn't, um, but it was, yeah. There's a lot more opportunity to reach different types of people with your music. And people are curious, and they've got access, and they're on Spotify, and they can accidentally stumble upon something. And if it's a good song... You know, you just might grab somebody who wasn't an easy mark for your sound. And I see that in some of, you know, I might be jumping ahead a little bit here, but 
with the Salem Town project that you and Patrick Cornell mm-hmm. have put together. Just some, some of the songs, some of the themes, some of the, the artwork. It kind of speaks to a new audience. Yeah, that, that was a very fun project that we did. We talked about how, you know, there was bro country and all these different kinds of country. We were we kind of called it beat country because we were it was sort of Patrick's idea initially to kind of fuse these EDM kind of dance elements and electronic elements and very like even more poppier elements with country music that I, I hadn't even thought about going that far. And doing it in a duo was was kind of like a safe, safe way to be able to do that separately from my solo project. And um, I learned a lot from it. It was a really great experience and love the songs that we made It's and, and put out. It's stuff that I might have never done as myself, but helped me grow a lot as a writer and an artist. And I think when I describe Salem Town to people, I basically say like it's Chainsmokers if they did country music. So that's, I, I, I think it's another example of the kind of diversity sonically that you can have in country music, but it still feels like country. And it's cert- the lyrics certainly, and, and the vocal delivery, but it can be dressed up in a lot of different ways. Now I want to talk about some of your solo material, which you're here to promote. And the new single is We Went South. Folks, go on Spotify, go on Apple Music, download it. Trust me on this one. Download one Dan Harrison track. And when you hear one, you're going to want to hear them all. Dan, one thing about We Went South, and I could kind of carve this up a lot of different ways, but I did go back and listen to the back catalog, and I see some some real growth. The Dan Harrison package, I guess, what you have on display in the video when we went south is just a guy, in my opinion, that has kind of that every guy appeal. You look like you're having fun. Your music, I feel like it taps into a feeling and emotion, connects people with places and memories. Talk a little bit about where you were on um, your writing and recording, Nowhere Bar running out of radio and then flash forward to the new stuff. Well, the reality is, is that stuff is, it might be new to your ears in, in terms of the recording and being out there, but it's, it's not actually, it was kind of written around a similar time. I think I wrote, we went south in 2021. It was early 2021, but some of the songs on the project of which we went south as a part, I'm putting out a, a bunch of new music over the next year. That, that song was the first um, single from was written as early as 2019, kind of around this, the time that that other stuff was put out. All of this stuff has, uh, I moved to Nashville in April 2018, so everything has been written since I moved here. But some of, some of the stuff that's coming out is fairly, I should say, it's not old, but it's it's not like recently written. And um, so that's just the kind of the funny thing with music that sometimes things take a while to get out. Sometimes they happen, it happens pretty quickly. But in terms of the process, I mean, the the goal, I love writing and I love telling stories. I love, I, and I've to me, it's always been the best way to communicate my thoughts and expressions and emotions in, in a way that can connect to people because people's attention spans are short. And, and I just love the way music has this capacity to heighten the message or an emotion that you want to convey. And it can really hit people in a way that they might not, you know, have really processed otherwise. If someone just told it to them or they saw it through some other medium, you know, now the side note is that sometimes you can hear a song in the wrong context and it won't hit you. And then you hear it again another time, like, or later in the day or something or at a show and you're like, whoa, that song's amazing. And you realize you'd heard it earlier, but you know, that's, that's another piece. But yeah, so We Went South was just me wanting to tell my story. I mean, this project, the goal of this project was to like have some songs that like kind of talked about who I am and how I got to where I was. So 
you know, that song, that's, that's an expression, you know, we went south or things went south. Usually that's a negative thing, but I kind of wanted to turn that on its head and talk about the story of like kind of what got me to Nashville. It's I tried to avoid like using specific music industry or like rock star musician imagery and language because I find that those songs can sometimes pigeonhole you and like people can't always relate to or they just seem cheesy. But I think everyone can, not that there isn't a place, time and place for certain songs like that, but I think uh, this song needed to be bigger than that. And so we couched it in people, everyone's had, you know, had to move somewhere for a fresh start or chase a dream and, you know, or like taking a leap of faith. And, and, and that's kind of what, what that song was about. And I, I knew like two people here when I moved here and I slept on a friend's couch for the first two weeks and, you know, didn't know anything. And not, not that I know everything now, but I know five years worth more worth of things. And it's, it's just amazing to see when I look back on what I've done in the last five years and just gets me really excited about what I'm going to do in the next five. So I love the theme of the song because 10 years ago I took a shot. I moved to Pensacola, Florida, and I didn't know anybody except you went South too. I went South too. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just, I maybe knew my girlfriend's friend and then the guy that, that she was dating. And then I didn't know anybody after we broke up and, but it was all good. So I really like the theme of this song. I like how descriptive that your story is. And one of the lines that sticks out to me is, didn't want to waste any more time. Didn't want to waste any more time. Never People can relate to that where they've been sitting on an idea, whether, man, I want to move to Nashville. Man, I want, really want to move to Atlanta. Yeah, I've got friends in Atlanta or like me, down to the Gulf Coast, and you feel like you've spent five or six years chewing on it, just want to tell my listeners, if you've got that bug in your ear or you, you've got that dream, go follow it. It's never too late, even if you're 25, 35, or 45. Yeah, it's definitely never too late, and, and it's never going to go away until you, until you do it. I think I, in our first couple messages with each other, I told you the songs that I liked and the uh, Nowhere Bar track in particular and the video. The video is just a blast. Take me through. I wanted to ask you a question as far as making videos. It looks like you're having fun. It must be a lot of work. Are you having as much fun as it looks like? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I am in the moment. Sometimes it can be stressful because you want to make sure you get the shot or you're not running out of daylight and and so, you know, I'm not, I'm not a trained actor, although I, I, that definitely is in my family and I want to take some acting classes, I think, but it's definitely a lot. It's always fun. It's, it's, especially when you have friends there, that was the funnest part about the Noah bar videos. I had a lot of friends there, you know, kind of in the crowd and the bar scenes. So yeah, we made it look like it was at night. Cause you know, this, where the way the sun was, it, but it was, it was actually really early in the morning because that was when they would just use the bar before anyone was in. So it was, we were all very tired, but it was it was a fun time. So yeah, it's making those are always fun, especially when you have a fun concept behind it. Everybody can be brought back to that moment, you know, whether it happened last weekend and you're wondering what happened, if you should have said something different to that girl that you met or what, or if it happened ten years ago. Everybody's got an experience like that. Well, that was the hope and I, I appreciate that. That was it's funny that that video was made so DIY and four or five years ago and I'm I'm proud of it, but it's just to see the growth um, is, is, is fun too. It's one, I, I very look back on it very fondly and, but also it's a very clear metric of like how, how far I've come and, and still am going, I think in a good way. Exactly. And you put that head to head with uh, we went South or crazy about country. 
crazy about country. I really like this song, Dan. I play drums, and one of the first things I noticed was, my gosh, listen to that drum sound. Yeah, that's all my my producer or the producer of that song, Robbie. He's he's killer, man. Um, I mean, my my co-writing my co-writers on other co-writers on that song, um, Adam Sickler and Elise Ulo, they helped with production as well. So that's that's I got to give them credit for that. They found the right sounds, and, and and Robbie put it all together and mixed it too, and just made it really hit and sound great. Some of the lyrics too. This is where I I feel like I can connect a little bit with your story. I didn't grow up listening to country music, so some of these lyrics speak to me. Sometimes it takes a girlfriend or accidentally hearing something to get into the genre. I just happened to be in a workplace where two guys were playing Pandora all day long. Mm -hmm. And it was it was only Kenny Chesney Channel or Jason Aldean or Eric Church Station or something like that. And so I was kind of force-fed a lot of this music the first week. And then I finally, I don't know what song it was. It may have been Zach Brown Band. It may have been something like Knee Deep because I do like Jimmy Buffett. I thought, okay, that's all right. And then I heard just, you know, it just got into my diet a little bit more. And I started to listen a little deeper to the music. And that was a big turning point for me where I realized you don't have to box yourself in to just rock, just hip hop, that sort of thing. So, yeah. What, did you kind of have that in mind writing this song? Well, the, the, again, the, you know, this this song I put out in March and it was um, I kind of consider it sort of like the sister song or the part that B side to to Nowhere Bar, both sonically and, and kind of in story in some ways. But it was just, again, telling the story about how I kind of got into country music and, and it was because of a girl. And uh, that was definitely the goal to show like, hey, like yeah, this is not what I started with, but I, I really connected with it and here's why. And so hopefully that I, I got that across, but there's obviously like other, other musical influences in there too. The, the, the biggest key for me, whatever I'm doing is authenticity. And, and, and I'm never going to pretend to be something I'm not. I, I love country music and I'm a fan and I'm a country music artist. That doesn't mean I was born on a farm, raised on a farm, anything like that. And, and I, and I'm very clear about that. So hopefully that's, clear but but the the passion and um and sort of intensity of of how much i care about the genre is is still clear and and you don't have to have been born and raised on a on a farm or you know to to appreciate and relate to country music absolutely um like we were saying earlier it's okay to step in even though your last memory of trying out country music didn't go so well or you didn't feel like you fit in give it another shot if you're listening to this episode look up dan's catalog Dan, one one other thing I wanted to mention here is that you do have songwriting credits, "All Hat No Cowboy" by Bells. Mm-hmm. Talk about that one a little bit. That's got what four million downloads. Yeah, it's got a. It, it went viral on TikTok big time for her for Kelly and and her project. And that that was a super fun song to write. That was just one of those songs that came together pretty quickly in the room. I wrote it with actually my producer and who produced all the stuff. We went south and all the stuff that's coming out. And he also wrote "Nowhere Bar" with me back in the day. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. It was me, him, and, and Kelly, who's who Bells. And uh, it was actually on Zoom. It was during the pandemic, and that was our first write together. I had never met Kelly in person, but I'd obviously known Andrew for a while. And uh, we got set up on the write, and I think we – Andrew and I had talked about this idea at some point before, and um, she just liked it and thought it was funny because we were just talking about how I, – I had just mentioned earlier in this conversation – in our conversation that uh, about authenticity – because of the tourist kind of thing here that Nashville has now 
is a big business and you know a lot you can you can tell a tourist a mile away if they're most of the time if they're wearing you know cowboy hat and just really overt kind of like country apparel and or they're on broadway and matching stuff like so there's a lot of like counterfeit cowboys i like i like to call it and uh that's kind of what that song was about was just calling out it's you know meant to be fun and lighthearted. there are, it's not really like bad to do that but just to show that there's a difference the boots don't make the man as they say which is another song title that i've written but that was yeah that was kind of idea and we just kind of came together pretty quickly in the session and it was a ton of fun and kelly killed it song song sounds great and it's been a very big song for her in terms of the doors it's opened and we're very thankful for that well dan um when you're spending a few years writing these songs recording these songs putting a lot of your heart and soul into it what are what are some some things that you do day to day week to week to just keep your head in the game you know you haven't uh, blown up across the globe yet and you've got high aspirations Mm -hmm. big dreams do you have to keep yourself motivated or are you just you know hey man i'm having fun doing this and whatever happens next is is great it's a bit of both i mean i i like to say my worst day in nashville is better than my best day anywhere else which is true but that doesn't mean there still aren't fun things or you know there's all there's always tough things even when you're even, even if you're chasing your dream or in your dream job there's stuff that isn't fun and sometimes you can get over overwhelmed you know when i first started moving here when i first moved here i was writing two and three times a day, you know, and we take about anywhere from two to four hours for a writing session. So do the math, you know, part of that's like the 10,000 hours, you know, you got to put in the time. And I, I'd only written like maybe less than a dozen songs before I moved to town. It's just not something I thought about or did. I, I knew that's why I moved here. I knew I need to be the best artist I could be. I needed to be the best songwriter I could be. And I just hadn't found my voice literally and figuratively because I just didn't, it's just not the culture and the thing that I was surrounded by and, and even knew about. It was amazing to get to get the opportunity to kind of like workshop and put in all those hours. But eventually it got to a point where I, I was getting burned out and, and you got to be like, hey, like, I love writing. I'm always going to do that, but I can still write one song a day. Sometimes I don't. And so, you know what? Sometimes I don't have to write a song like a, that day there. Like today, I didn't write a song. I did other things that were also beneficial and important to my music career. Like if I was just pursuing songwriting, that'd be one thing. But I'm also trying to put out music under an artist project. And, you know, I, I play guitar for other artists as well. And there's time for social media, time for learning the songs and, and like practicing. Like there's a lot of things that that I need to be doing with music also. And, and songwriting is an amazing thing. But if I don't give myself space from it uh, when I need to, it can feel like a chore. And I don't ever want it to feel like a chore. There's sometimes it's just kind of unavoidable. But this is my passion. This is my dream. This is what I love. So I want to show up to work every day, quote unquote, excited and uh I would say 99.9% of the time I am. It's just, you have to, and for everyone, it's different. I know some friends of mine who are killing it and they just, and they write two and three times a day and they love it. And that's just what they do. And it, it is all different, but some of the greatest songwriters I've ever heard and know, and that have huge cuts and big number ones, they only write a couple times a week, you know, and, and maybe they like early on had really front loaded and did a lot, but you know, it kind of just depends on on what works for you. And for me, I've just realized that like, I need to have balance if I'm not like sleeping and not doing other things I enjoy in my life that actually also feed the well for ideas for me to write. You know, my, nothing gets me more excited when I come up with an idea that I'm really excited to go write because then that just takes care of the inspiration, the vibe right away. The hardest part of the song is getting it started. But if you're already like, oh, I have this killer idea. This is how we're going to do it. Like I, I'm hearing this melody, blah, blah, blah. That just takes so much of the work out of the way and or the effort and 
it's still a process to execute the song, but that's, we all want that inspiration and, and it's a balance of showing up to work every day. So you're keeping fresh for when inspiration hits and sharp, but also not dulling yourself by kind of just hammering it too much. So I think it's a bit of both for me is, is, is the long, the short answer to, to, to your question. So I love what I do. I'm, I'm so blessed that I get to do it and I hope to continue to keep growing it and get to a higher and higher level. So I don't have to do anything else to, you know, to live that I can just do this. And, um, I think that was a great way of putting it where you got to be careful with your craft and what you love because you just don't want it to start feeling like work. You never want that. And and so I really try and especially as I've gotten older, it's like I want to be able to enjoy life, exercise, sleep, you know, socialize. It's all it is all it all goes together. It really does. It feeds the well for inspiration and creativity. You know, that's and, and sometimes on these episodes, I will I'll kind of hit on a, a very general theme, like you just said, sleep. I think sometimes people who are going after something and they're just they're just hard workers in general, type A, and they feel like I can stay up till two in the morning. I can get back up at five. I can go uh, go for a run and then I could do this. And you might be able to do that for a little while, but you may not be at your creative best. So I like what you said there probably trying to pay attention to what you eat a little bit trying yeah and it, that that that's all obviously tricky and if you're on a budget and certainly when you're on the road like that's the biggest thing that i've i've been i haven't been on the road for a super sustained period of time but i've done a bunch of different runs with you know other bands and and for you know like just one-off gigs and it's really hard to like maintain routine when you're on the road like that and it's critical to find the things that work for you and and not eat and it's really easy to eat terribly too so that's that's super important yeah that was i was going to ask about that with have you had friends that stay on the road for a few months they come back and you don't want to say anything to them but you're like man you, you kind of look look a little rough there um <laughs> or or i mean that i can think of in a super noticeable way yet but like i just know what they tell me and they're just exhausted and that's the reality like touring is is a really great thing but it's so hard. It is probably the hardest thing to do. And it's sort of the last piece of the puzzle in terms of artist development, like to be able to go on tour and have a, an enterprise that has the logistics in place and, you know, the financial durability and, and that there's enough money coming in and going out to be able to put on something like that. There's just so many moving pieces and to, to do it right. You know, there's plenty of bands that just like kind of go by the skin of their teeth and, and, it's about exposure, but that's not really the, the world we live in anymore. Like, of course, if you get on like a big tour as an opener, like that's cool. But it's I, I think it's important to be strategic whenever you can, not not in terms of you know so much so that there's decision paralysis or you, you overanalyze everything. But I've thought about that myself a lot, which is, you know, why I've tried to be careful with with shows. And, 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 and part of it is also like, like you said, I haven't hit it yet. And it's easier to sell tickets when you have things people want to come see you. So, but yeah, that's, it's a, it's a balance either way, whatever level you're at, if you're kind of like trying to break in, or if you're at a Morgan Wallen, Luke Combs, whatever kind of level, there's still balance and things you got to do to keep your sanity um, when you're on the road for that long and, and, and stay healthy. Cause it's, it's not easy. Well, like I said earlier, as far as just trying to reach a broader audience and I've, I've connected with the songs. I want to reemphasize I'm not just saying this because it's another Dan on the show and I just I'm gonna love whatever you do. Folks, when I when I started playing these songs, I had an instant connection to them. And 
I was talking to Dan earlier before we got started about the some of the guitar licks in Nowhere Bar, and I'm thinking they didn't really have to do that. That was kind of cool. That was a little cool little accent there, and it just. And then I went back and watched the videos, and I encourage everybody if you find a song you like, whether it's Crazy About Country or We Went South, pair it up with the video, and you're gonna be wanting to hear some new music from Dan. I think Dan, you got the goods, and I hope that this episode helps you reach a few more people from across the country, maybe some people that don't even live in a hotbed area for this type of music, and but they've realized, hey, I, I kind of like some of this stuff. Follow that feeling. Lean into that. Uh, this is me speaking to the listeners. But, Dan, we've been talking for a while. We could go on and on. I don't want to tie you up all night, and, and I would love to see you perform live, but I understand it is a unique challenge this day and age to pull that off. It's not impossible, and I play shows all the time in town. It's it's definitely not um, impossible. It's just to do you know a tour is different from a from a show if that makes sense. Um, but I you know yeah if you're ever in Nashville, let me know. And um, obviously you know if I'm announcing stuff outside you know going on the road, you will definitely see. And whoever follows me on social media will see. Now I saw that you guys did play a uh, festival this past summer, the Barefoot Country Music Fest. Correct, correct. Yeah, that w- and that was great because that was back in my hometown. Well, near near Philly, it was at the Jersey Shore, so pretty much a hometown show, and it was it was really awesome. That I mean, that's a whole that's a, you know flying out there and, and getting all that taken care of. So it's 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 an endeavor, but it's um, obviously worth it. And to have family and friends come see me, and it was it was great. Okay, Dan. Well, hey, I'll I always wrap up with just some um, off the wall questions. Sure. Okay, being from Philadelphia. Are you rooting for the Phillies in the playoffs? Of course. I, I, I just heard that they were in the wild card recently. I you know, haven't been keeping up with it much this season, but I'm very glad, obviously. I mean, hopefully we can win some kind of championship this year. We were in the World Series last year and the MLS finals and the Super Bowl, and we didn't win a single thing. So that's always heartbreaking. I feel like Philly sports were always like in the mix, and every now and then we get it, but not as much as we should. How do you feel about Travis Kelsey? I guess he and Taylor are a pair. Yeah, I mean, good for him, but I wish I wish he was dating his brother so the Eagles were getting that effect, you know. <laughs> right. I, I I saw somewhere Mark Cuban, like, sit, like I think posted on Twitter online, someone sent it to me and said, hey, you know, Taylor, whenever you guys break up, I got a lot of handsome, single, rich guys on, on the Mavericks for you, so, because he owns the, the Dallas Mavericks. And But, uh, no, I, I think uh, it's amazing. You know, we love her, hate her, you know, her, her, power is undeniable and it's really really incredible and if i could even have a fraction of that it's not about fame it's just a fraction of that sort of influence and you know people listen listening to what i do is and and wanting to hear my music that would be incredible well i think that you'll get there i really do i think it's just a matter probably of somebody speaking up for you and introducing you another musician saying hey all you guys who listen to me you need to check out dan harrison I keep returning to you giving what I would say clearance to guys and girls who didn't grow up listening to country. And then on top of that, you've got an authenticity that comes across in your songwriting and in the videos. I appreciate it, man. That means a lot in that because that's certainly the intention. Okay, Dan, favorite ice cream flavor? Probably cookies and cream. But I find myself having vanilla or mint, one of those two, mint chocolate chip. But I find myself having vanilla a lot just because it's a really good base for, you know, if you want to mix it with anything. Dan, did you ever have a gerbil? Did you ever have a guinea pig? Did you ever have a little 
a little turtle or mouse or something? I did have two turtles actually at one point. It, I don't remember why I got them or when. Or when it was, I like had to be in kindergarten, first grade. They were, and I remember they were named Bob and David, and <laughs> very creative names. And uh, they died at some point. I don't remember why or what. I I think I fed them. So <laughs> they were very very tiny though. I had a hamster one time, and I came back from vacation. We were gone for a week. I came back, and my dog had had eaten it. Oh my gosh! That yeah. Whoa. That, that was not nice. That was. <laughs> I don't like that. Dan, what's um something you like to watch when you're just trying to decompress, and you're like, all right, I'm gonna put something on. The rest of development. That's like I've seen that so many times. So. In terms of something to like throw on that I don't need to think too hard about and I can kind of come in and out of, definitely something like that or like a Family Guy or South Park comedy shows like that. But I'm a big Star Wars guy too, so I love throwing on any of those things. And um, I'm kind of in the midst of watching uh, Clone Wars and Rebels and all those all those things, all the animated stuff from the expanded universe that I actually didn't watch. Like I always loved Star Wars and watched all the movies, but I never. I just never got into the anime. I just didn't like the CGI, I think, when it first came out. But I like once you, you get used to it, and it's really great stuff. And a lot of the stuff that they're putting out is kind of in, now is kind of inspired by that era. So like the Ahsoka show that's out right now. So it's cool to dive back into that and kind of get the backstory. Well, Dan, this has been terrific. I got a bunch of other questions, but we'll save it for another time. Would you come back on the show long after you've made it to the top? And left this episode in the dust. Would you? Would you still remember Dan time? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, and I, <laughs> and, I hope, and I hope you're one of the. You're right up there with Joe Rogan by that time. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. All right. Well, thanks for making time here, Dan. This has been a pleasure. And folks, remember, if you're in a rut, you feel like there's something bigger out there for you. If you feel like you've been in this town long enough, and it's you're tired of the cold, you're tired of the snow, and you see. It, Go put a plan together and get out. If you just want to move across town, if you want to leave that dead-end job, stop thinking about it. Do it. Dan, I wish you nothing but the best. I wish you all the success in the world, and thanks for appearing on the show. Uh, well, I appreciate you having, having me. I do. Thank you. All right. Anything else you'd like to plug? I, I didn't mention the website, but I will link it. Any podcast or anything you'd like to plug as far as Dan Harrison music? I'm putting out another new song in a, in a couple of weeks. I haven't announced it yet, but I'm going to be announcing it very soon. I think by the time, I don't know when you'll have this podcast out, but it might already like be out or at least, you know, announced. Uh, it's called uh, So Far So Good. And um, it's another song that's kind of about my story. Yeah. So I'm putting that out soon. And, and I got a bunch of new music coming out next year as well. I'm really excited about it. and just keeping, uh, keeping the train rolling and, and hopefully grow, snowballing uh, everything. Full steam ahead. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday on Dan Time. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, if you really enjoyed that episode, please take a minute to download and subscribe. You can follow us on any of the social media pages. The new YouTube channel has all the prior episodes and the Friday Challenge videos. Coming soon, for any of my listeners who may be hearing impaired, I will also have full transcripts of each episode and I'll be adding chapters to each episode as well. I appreciate a five-star review, but hey, what really helps the show is just you talking about it. Talk about it with your friends, your coworkers. Send a group text to people you know, and uh, I really appreciate your support. Thanks, and have a great week.